Amen. The goodness of the Lord is with us always. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I want to highlight one of our young adults uh, this week and another one next week because a lot of times after they get out of youth and they have their freedom, they split church and they go do their own thing. But that's not good because if you stay with church and you stay in the body of Christ, God will bless you. How many of you know that? So let me look at this uh, picture right here and let's try to guess who that is. Hey, who is that? And that's Matthew. He came to us when he was nine years old. His mom is from Ghana, and uh, he was one year old when he came here, and she wanted him to know about the American culture, didn't want him to, you know, get lost in something else in the Ghana people, and so uh, he's been with us ever since. She's with us. She was with us, but then she had to go to work on Sundays, and so he kept coming. He went through children's church, youth, and uh, so he worked with youth pastor Charles, and he was able to get a scholarship to this school right here. Anybody know what school that is? Notre Dame. Yes, it is. So let's have Matthew come up here. He's, uh, he's not a little boy anymore. I used to be able to be even beat him in basketball, but not, 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 not no more. That's not true. No. <laughs> that was never true. He has no mercy on me. He just run right by me. And I go, look, I'm going to excommunicate you if you don't. <laughs> but he didn't care. But anyway, so uh, what happened was they, uh, Charles found out that there was a scholarship from Notre Dame where you can get, you know, monies, scholarship. So they applied, and he got a four-year full-ride scholarship. worth $300,000. So we've been trying to work that off of him, uh, you know, with setups and things, but uh, he's only, you know, scratched the surface. But anyway, uh, he's in his final year now at Notre Dame, so I have a couple of questions. How do you feel now that you're closing in on your final finish line at Notre Dame? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bittersweet. Um, you know, I, I kind of went there as a, as a little child a little 18-year-old boy, and uh, now I'm almost done. And it's gone by a little too fast. So uh, I'm going to really cherish this last year, uh, my last year over there. Amen. What was your biggest challenge when you went to Notre Dame? Yeah, my biggest challenge would definitely be, uh, you know, becoming a, a mature, somewhat adult. You know, I went there as a, a little 18-year-old boy, um, you know, who just lived with his mom his entire life. And then now I'm in a totally different state in Indiana, and now I have to learn to do things on my own. You know, if you're sick, you know, my mom's not there for me. Um, so just learning how to kind of take care of myself on my own without my mom being there was the biggest thing. And then um, another challenge I kind of faced as well was, uh, you know, school is very difficult over there. It's a, it's a top university. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of smart people over there. So I kind of realized that uh, if I want to do as well as my peers are doing, I have to, you know, put a li little bit more work in. Uh, I have some friends over there who can sit in class and, you know, they immediately understand everything that's going on. I'm personally not like that. <laughs> so I have to, you know, put a little bit more time in, study a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I found, I figured that out pretty quickly and so uh, I'm starting to do better now. Well, what is, what's your major? Uh, I major in uh, chemistry and applied math. Oh, two easy subjects, right? 
<laughs> chemistry. <laughs> and uh, what's your grade point average now, sir? Uh, it's a, it's a 3.9 now. So. Oh. Yeah. So how have you maintained your relationship with the Lord being in a foreign land? Yeah, uh, I would say the biggest thing um, when you're uh, away from home is kind of finding Christian friends. Um, because if you have people in your life, you know, Christian people in your life, they'll hold you accountable. Um, if you don't, that's when you start to kind of go by the wayside. So as I've uh, kind of gone through my years there, I've, I've met more and more Christian friends who have, you know, been willing to take me to church, uh, been willing to make sure I'm reading my Bibles, things like that. So if you kind of surround yourself with people who care about God, you'll start to care about God. So. Wow. This is not the young man that went off uh, when he was 18 years old. So what have you learned from New Heart that you were able to take over to Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I would say um, the biggest thing I learned were, uh, I think Charles did a good job of uh, kind of introducing me and uh, the other people in our youth group to some topics, um, some kind of controversial topics uh, that are out there, you know, like homosexuality, like heaven and hell, uh, things like that. Um, because uh, if you don't know what the Bible says about that, those topics, you'll, you'll learn from other people. Um, you'll learn about what the world says about those topics, yeah. and those topics definitely, or those uh, ideas that they have definitely aren't biblical. So, you know, learning here at New Heart, uh, the biblical way to think about those things uh, definitely helped me go off to college and, and know what the Bible says and what Jesus says about those controversial topics. Very good. And he's doing a Bible study at uh, Covina Park while he's here in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah it's, been, uh, it's been good. I've been uh, doing a Bible study uh, with some of my friends here in Covina. We meet at Kelby Park, and it's just been good to kind of dive into the Word with uh, some of my friends. Well, praise the Lord. From nine years old to 22, you've done a great job. Amen? <laughs> give, give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Okay, you can take that. So it's good to highlight, you know, people that are doing well and staying with the Lord. And next week, we're going to do this guy right here. Let's see if you can uh, recognize him. Anybody know who that is? That's you. No, it's not me. <laughs> Angel is right, Angel. He wanted to be a fireman, and he's always wanted to. And wholly coincidentally, his parents hooked him up with that. So we're going to hear his story next week, all right? All right, let's, let's bow our heads and pray. And let the Lord speak to us today. Father, we just thank you for your anointing, your, your grace, and your spirit that would just accompany us as we hear the word and put it to practice. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Guide my mouth and my heart to speak your words in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to finish up on the three important aspects of Christianity. Their faith, their uh, love, and holiness. You need all three. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith, so it's, you, you need it. The Bible says, by grace you were saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Did you know that? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, not a mental ascent, not just thinking, I know God can do it, but when you put the Word of God and plant it into your heart, it produces. And whatever you put in there, it'll produce. If you put healing scriptures, you'll get healed. If you put prosperity scriptures, you prosper. If you put peace of mind, you'll have peace of mind in whatever you do. But you have to let the engrafted Word get into your heart and let it uh, produce fruit. Amen? So it's not uh, just... Uh, uh, you thinking that, you know, God's going to work in your life, you put his promises on the inside of you, and he makes it manifest. Amen? So God, uh, uh, Jesus, he was encouraging people that use their faith. 
He would say things like, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. He didn't say, I healed you. I did this. He said, you have received what I have promised, and you received my power and my goodness. Amen? So then we learned about love, too. Love, you have to love one another. That's what the Bible says, love God, love one another. If you don't love, then you're not born of God. Can you? I hear Christians all the time, so I can't, st- I can't stand that person. That person bugs me. I, I don't want to be around them. What's wrong with you? That's a, that's a child of God you're talking about. What, what if someone came up to me and said, you know, I don't like your son. Your son bugs me. He bothers me. I, I, I can't take him anymore. I, what would I say? I'd say, what's wrong with you? And if you do that to God's son or God's uh, sons and daughters that are in the church or around, you're not born of God. God says that he is, he is good to the just and the unjust. He reigns on the good and the evil. Amen? God is good. He is love. You can't turn it on and turn it off. You just love people. Praise the Lord. <laughs> One brother, uh, <laughs> Jerry, was telling me, he said, I want to get on your good side, Pastor. You, you can't get on my bad side. I don't have a bad side. <laughs> I love you no matter what you do. Praise the Lord. So, we, we have to be just a yielded vessel. Love comes from God. Faith comes from God. And now we're going to talk about holiness, which also comes from God. So don't get nervous and think, oh, I can't be holy. Uh, yeah, you can. But let's find out what the definition of holy is. Are you ready for this? Yes. Holy just means uh, set apart. In the Old Testament, the first definition is he's, we are set apart to be with him. God is a jealous God. Did you know that? He wants you all for himself. Isn't that good news? My wife wants me all to, my, all to herself. Be with me. Stay with me. Walk with me. <laughs> I like Marianne when she says that. Uh, I'm going to go to CVS. I go, okay. She goes, will you drive me? I go, like, I thought you were going to CVS. <laughs> but holy means set apart for his use. We have some holy dishes in the house. Did you know that? Dishes that are only used for special occasions. They're set apart. You can't be using the Christmas dishes, you know, in regular, regular days. You ha- those are wholly set apart. So look what God says in Leviticus 20, 26. It says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. Isn't that? God, I want you to be. God's saying, don't you feel, like, uh, special? He wants us to be his. He, he, he wants a personal relationship with us. Isn't that beautiful that he wants us to be his bride? The Bible says that we're his bride. Let's look at it in Isaiah 62.5. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. He wants to marry us. He wants to be one with us. He wants us to be separated for him. Amen? Now, what I like about that is he's separated for us. He, he, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, I'm listening to you, I'm not going to put you on hold, I'm not too busy, I'm not too preoccupied. You call on me and I will answer. Isn't that good news? You can just whisper and he'll answer. So we, we don't have to make an appointment with God, we don't have to be in a waiting line, we just allow God to, uh, when we call upon him, the Bible says, uh, come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come bold confidently. You don't have to wait, you know, fast and wait for weeks on end. Just come right now boldly into the throne of grace. Amen? So now the second meaning 
A little more difficult. You ready for this? It means to be morally pure or blameless, separated from sin, clean, sacred. Ooh-wee. How many sacred people do we have out there separated from sin? It's a little bit tougher. But you can, can you imagine God is that way? Let's look at it in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Now, this is the only mention of seraphim in the Bible, at the throne. And it looks something like this, if we can show a picture of it. It's, it's fiery angels that are, they minister to God, and they also work to uh, cleanse people, to, to cleanse their, their, their person. Uh, agents of purification, it's called. Now, let's look at this in, in, in Isaiah 6, 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live, oh, I'm sorry, I missed one thing. Is it says, uh, let's go up one. When, when Isaiah saw this, he says, Woe unto me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Do we have any unclean lips out there? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> if you just listen to yourself, you'll find out you got unclean lips. So why did I say that? Oh, my. Excuse me. <laughs> so in Isaiah 6.6, 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the, th with the tongs from the altar. And in verse 7, he says, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isn't that good news? The closer you get to God, you can let him, his holiness, purify you and cleanse your heart and your mouth so you speak the right things. It's not even about you. It's how close can you get to God. Amen? Now, how many of you remember when your parents, uh, I had a cousin in New York and he said some bad words, and my mom said, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. You remember that saying? <laughs> now, the, the, the story is that he actually did it, but no one actually knows if he did. But his brothers heard about it, and every time that they said a bad word, they said, I'm going to call your Aunt Jenny from California, and she's going to come over here and wash your mouth out with soap. And that just threat alone was enough. But Jesus said, I'm going to touch the coal that's from my throne and cleanse your, your lips. And, okay, so in Isaiah 6, 3, when he went to the throne, we're going to talk about the throne and what happens at the throne because we're going to bring the throne down here to earth. Are you ready for that? So one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, you wonder, why do they say it three times? Why don't you just say it once? Holy is the Lord. That's enough. Isn't that enough? Well, in Hebrew, if you say it twice, it's to get your attention. Remember, he would say, Martha, Martha, why are you so concerned about things, right? Or Jesus would say sometimes, verily, verily, I say unto you. That means pay attention. But when you say it three times, uh, this means that um, he, he's emphasizing the superlative holiness, and the glory of the Lord of heavens. And every time they say, holy, 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 you get a new glimpse of the holiness of God. They never get tired of saying it. And in Revelations, they say it day and night, continually, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And every time they say it, they just get filled with the holiness of God. Isn't that good? Yeah. So we need to start saying that. Marianne was kind of cheerleading us on that a little bit. Uh, holy, holy, holy. Holy. Uh, 
holy, holy, holy. Now, so anytime something is, is said three times, it has superlative meaning. Do you remember when Jesus came to Peter after he betrayed him or after he denied him? He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. Now, I've experienced that in my own self. Debbie, I think you can relate to this. My wife and I, when we were uh, first married, uh, we didn't see eye to eye on everything. And one time I got kind of frustrated. I said, I'm going to take a little drive and just kind of cool off. Anybody ever had that? I know. You, you, you drive great distances when you're upset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Palm Springs and back, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just went down the street. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But the Lord said to me, uh, he said, are you going to just teach about this love or are you going to do it? I said, well, I'm going to do it, but not right now. I'm not, you know, I just don't have it in me. Then he said very calmly again, are you going to just teach this or are you going to do it? I go, I'm going to do it, but I can't do it right now. Third time, are you going to teach this or are you going to do it? I know the third time is the charm and I know that's, you know, you better do it, Okay. So I said, okay, so I figured I will uh, overcome evil with good. Not that she was evil, but the evil was there <laughs> in the midst. So I, I said, well, I'll, I'll do some good. I'll go buy her some flowers. And so, but I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't excited, but God was encouraging me. So I went there to the shop, and I looked, and I go, well, I'm not going to spend too much money on this. and I'm not really excited about it, so just give me some uh, you know, blue flowers, I know she likes blue, well, put a little bit of white, you know, baby breasts in there, make it look nice, and some green leaves, and I started getting happy, you know, oh, it's going to look, oh, I know, I'm mad, I'm mad, I forgot about it. So I went there, <laughs> and lo and behold, she was on the phone, she was talking to somebody, she said, oh, here's my husband now, and he brought me flowers, she put down the phone, everything was good, praise the Lord. So the third time, if God's talking to you and he says three times, you, need, you know you need to do what he says. Now, all throughout the Bible, it talks about God's holiness. You know that, right? Let's hear some three. In 1 Samuel 2, 2, it says, There is none holy like the Lord. There's nobody holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. In Exodus 15, 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And in 1 Chronicles 16, 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. I looked at that and I go, what do you mean the beauty of his holiness? Well, God is holy and in the throne, the holiness just permeates his being. And it's beautiful to behold. When you're in the presence of the Lord, isn't it beautiful? You just feel, it's not, so, not only just physical, but inside you feel beautiful, you feel wonderful. You feel, there's no explanation for it. There's no comparison. It's better than drugs. It's better than anything. It's better than watching a football game or a baseball game. It's the greatest feeling that we're going to experience for eternity. And we're never going to get tired of it. We're never going to say, you know, I've had enough of this. That's enough. Let's move on. No. Now, God is perfectly holy. God is infinitely holy. He is eternally holy. Everything about God is holy. In fact, God is so perfectly holy, he cannot sin. Not only does he not sin in thought, word, or deed, he cannot sin. He cannot speak an unholy word. He cannot think an unholy thought. Are you in that category? You ever have any unholy thoughts? Ooh, how did that get in there? 
And Jesus can read your mind. You know that, right? He told the Pharisees, why do you think evil in your heart? Right? He knows what you're thinking. And the Bible says, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. I mean, this is pretty serious things. You know, an unholy person's got to live with a holy God. He comes in to clean us up. And that's what's called sanctification. He's got to scrub you up. He's got to clean you up. He's got to come upon you. And his holiness has to come upon you. Amen? Now, everything about God is holy. And as long as we know him for infinity, we will not find one microcosm of unholiness in him. You know, some people, they seem nice when you meet them. And then after a while, you get to know them and go, eh, they're not so good after all. <laughs> That's what happens to marriages, you know. You marry this person, the knight in shining armor, the beautiful queen. Then you take them home and you go like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not what I ordered, okay. <laughs> I always say we should sue each other for false advertising. That's not what was presented to me, okay. That's when you learn to love through these things. And I know, I mean, when I was in, in uh, high school and college, I had roommates. And I always wanted a roommate with a cool, cool guy, you know. <laughs> and so I said, oh, there's Steve Kadish. He, Kadish. He's a good guy. He's cool. He works out a lot. You know, he's muscular, clean-looking guy. And so I said, well, let's, let's room together. He goes, okay. And that's all he was. He, that's all he, he looked in the mirror all the time. <laughs> he worked out all the time. He took protein powder all the time. He had nothing up here, but he looked good, you know. <laughs> so sometimes people look good until you get to know them. They go, they're not so good. Amen. That's when you have to love them, right? Now look at this in Psalms 15:1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Verse 3, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor. It's about your tongue. Does not backbite. You ever have people tell you about somebody else? <laughs> you know, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. You're not supposed to say those things. Whatever is, is true honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, think on these things. If it's not a good report, if you couldn't get up here and give a testimony about it, then don't say it. I mean, how many times do you have to check yourself? Like, I want to say, it's true, it's honest, but it's not pure or lovely. All the bad things that happen to people, you don't need to be spreading it around, nor spreadeth slander about his neighbor. So, in Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort... What? To live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It seems undaunting to have to try to live holy. But all you do, what you worship is what you become. So let's look at this. A man looking into a mirror. You're supposed to see Jesus after a while. Not yourself. The more you surround yourself with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and go into the throne room of grace, the more you start to look and act and speak and talk like Jesus. Amen? Now, we know that doesn't look, that's not Jesus up there. We know what Jesus looks like. It's this slide right here, yeah. That's Jesus. <laughs> that's our sound man. <laughs> Put a robe and a sash on him, and he's Jesus, okay? 
And Rudy, who went to heaven, said he looks more like Jesus than all these other pictures. So hallelujah. All right. So the holiness of God is found in his throne room, and the angels of God purify us. So how do we get purified? Go to the throne room, right? Let's look at it in Psalms 22, verse 3. It says, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. So when we praise God, there, it's just like heaven coming down. God makes his throne where we're at, an altar that we build for him. He comes down. He said, this is just like heaven. I'm going to come down and receive your praises, and I'm going to let my holiness spread upon you. Oh, yes. It's not even you. You know when you're in church, you don't think bad thoughts, most of us. And <laughs> but, but when you get out, all of a sudden things, you know, you have your own human thoughts. We have to stay in the spirit, stay in the throne of grace, stay in his presence. Amen? Now, Psalms 96, 4 and 9 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, in his throne. I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures, and then I'm going to talk personally to you. So in Psalms 33, 1, it says, Praise is comely or beautiful for the upright. There's nothing more attractive than seeing someone praise the Lord. Amen? Let's see. Let's see some people praising the Lord. To me, that's beautiful. When you guys do that, I, I just, I, my heart just drops and says, oh, Lord, that's so beautiful. And God said that's beautiful to him when he sees you praising him. We're meant to praise him. We're created to praise him. Not for just himself, but because he can, he can transfer his spirit upon us, and we can be like him. We'll be one spirit. Praise the Lord. So now how can a holy God dwell with unholy people? That's a problem, isn't it? You ever hang around people that are unholy? <laughs> Drives you crazy, doesn't it? They don't say the right thing. They don't do the right thing. They say bad things, and it just, it just rubs you the wrong way. But God says, look at this. There's three stages for holiness. There's positionally, practically, and progressively. Positionally, the Bible says we are a chosen generation, a holy nation called uh, to proclaim his excellencies. He's called us and he's made us holy. Isn't that good news? In his eyes, he sees us just like we were Jesus. In Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He sees us as holy. I like that. It's kind of like, you know, you don't have to be that holy for him to consider us holy. He, 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 already, he made us holy. Praise the Lord. Now, practically, it's how much we actually put it into practice. So uh, it's twofold. This is called sanctification. Now, look at this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly and make your whole spirit and body, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't let your body do sinful things. You can't let your body betray you. You know, you want to do right, and then your body says, no, you want to do this. You, got, you have to tell your body, no, no, you're not doing that. There's this one story. I, just, I don't know why I bring it up, but this woman uh, uh, was married to this guy, and this guy was having an affair, and so uh, she found out about it, and she went to the, the pastor, and they met together. And he, the pastor said, well, he, he was 
It wasn't him. It was the devil that was using him. She said, well, he used his body, so I'm going <laughs> to take it out on his body. But you can't excuse what you do in your body and say, well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, the Lord knows your heart. Your body has to follow along. Your mind has to follow along. We have to want to be holy. Praise the Lord. So in 1 Thessalonians 7.1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. It's our duty, it's our job to put the, the, the brakes, put, put the whoa on, the, on sin. You can't let it just run amok. You can't let it just run, run around and do the things that you're not supposed to do. Praise the Lord. We have to perfect Holiness. It's a process. It's a sanctification. It's a, it's a progressiveness in holiness. You have to be more holy each and every day, and it has to be progressive. In 1 John 2.6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk. See, this, this Christianity is a walk. You just have to keep on walking day after day. Like Matthew was saying, he's gotten stronger each and every day, learning how to separate himself, be holy, for I am holy. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord in, in just a minute, but I want to I give you, how about some benefits of walking in holiness? Amen. You know, it's good to be holy, but, you know, what's in it for me? Okay, I got five things. <laughs> you know, God, God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, the, all the Bible is a bunch of, if you do this, then I'll do that, right? So he's not ashamed to say, I got a reward for you. So the first thing is, Holiness fosters intimacy with God. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So walking in holiness causes good things to happen for you. I've been practicing this, well, all my, ever since I got saved, but more and more, and especially this week because I was going to preach on it, and it's just a joy to know that everything that you're going through, God has already prepared a good way for you. He's already, you know, when you go to the market, oh, there's not a long line. When you want to call somebody, they give you favor. All the things that you want just fall into place. The Bible says that whatever Joseph put his hand to, to it prospered. Why? You're one with him. God looks ahead and knows what you need before you need it. And he prepares the way. And all of a sudden, it's just a nice pathway. Praise the Lord. And then holy living makes us useful and effective for God's purposes. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified for the master's use. So when you clean yourself up, when you're holy before the Lord, you can minister to people and be more effective. You can speak the spirit and the life of God into a person, and you can change their life. It has power. Amen? You can speak wisdom. You can speak correction. You can even correct your kids, and they won't get upset at you. Come on, talk to me. Okay. Number three. <laughs> I don't have any problem correcting kids. I mean, listen, this is the way it is. Okay? You don't like it? Uh, our, our holy life <laughs> causes people around us to glorify God. You know, may your conduct be honorable among Gentiles, that when they speak evil against you, they may see your good works and observe you and glorify your God in heaven. Amen? Some people, you know, they, they, they mock you, they make fun of you, they tease you, you're a holy roller or this or that, but when they're in trouble, they come to you for prayer, they come to you for advice, opinion, right? Because they know you are in contact with God, 
Because people watch you. They may kid you, but they're watching you to see how you react. You know, I used, to, I used to have that little tendency to kind of test people when they think they're so good. And I used to test them and say, well, what about this? Like we had this one guy at my previous job, and he was so cool. You know, he just walked around. Yeah, you know. I go, brother, you, you're really cool. He goes, yeah, I try to be. I go, well, what would happen if someone borrowed $100 from you and didn't pay you back? Oh, no, then I, I tell you, I'd lose my cool over that. Well, you're all so cool. Amen? But we have to be cool no matter what's happening in our life. For a holy life pleases God and produces fruit. I like this. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When I first read that, I said, everything I do, I'm supposed to produce fruit. When I go to my neighbor, I have to produce fruit. When I go to the store, I want to produce fruit. I want people to love the Lord more or see some goodness and, and have them be encouraged or even want to know the Lord. Fruitful in every good work. And lastly, a holy life allows our prayers to be answered. The Bible says whatever we ask, uh, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Don't you want your prayers to be answered? Don't you want things to happen when you ask the Lord, Lord, help me, show me this? You know, my son and my wife, whenever we need uh, mercy in a situation, dad'll do it. Uh, call on dad. He, he's a merciful guy, and he will receive mercy. So the toughest situations, I go there because I bring the holiness of God because I live with him, and God knows how to work things out to change their hearts. And so I'm the, one, I'm the guy that goes for the mercy. Amen? Are you the person that goes for the mercy that, God, that people can't refuse you? Because you just have the Spirit of the Lord on you. Amen. So these are the things that we want to do. And how do we do this? We build our throne for God to come in and visit us. And so when he does, he said, you, uh, when you see me, you'll be like me. So I'm going to ask um, uh, Jerry and Debbie to come up. And we're going to sing that song, uh, I Sing Praises to Your Name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And so when you do that, just imagine the Lord coming in and be a part of our praise. And he'll be with you and his holiness will be upon you. Amen? So let's stand up to the, stand up and receive from